LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to Ask Me Anything with Pastor J.D. Greer. Honest questions, quick answers. I'm your host, Todd Unzicker, and this is where J.D. Greer says, Ask Me Anything. Ask Me Anything with Pastor JD, where he says, ask me anything. And so that's what we're going to do this week on the podcast. JD, here's a question that is literally life or death. Is the Bible's language about hell, is it literal or figurative? You know, when people ask that question, I feel like one of the things that's behind that is a desire that that everybody has, um, including me, to lessen the seriousness and the severity of hell. I mean, no less than C.S. Lewis said that if he, if there were one thing about the Bible that he could change, it would be this doctrine of hell. Yeah. And so, you, you, I think that's behind that, and I think that's kind of the the, the thing to realize when you get into the answer is, uh, short answer, yes, I do b- believe that the vast majority of images used in the Bible about hell, I believe they are literal. Um, there obviously are some metaphorical imports into into some of them. For example, we know that darkness, you know, just to, it, the way that the concept is is talked about, it's it's it, it represents the complete absence of God. That um, I've heard a really good case for why fire represents an insatiable desire of. Um, you know, sin that you can just never get enough and you're continually hungry for more and more. And so in one sense, this is the way Lewis explained it, is hell is simply God giving us what we've asked for all along. We ask for a, a world and an existence without God, and God finally says, if you won't say, not my will but yours be done, then I'll say, not my will but yours be done, right. you know, back to us. Um, so I, I do think it's possible that there are both metaphorical and literal um, things that are being communicated through some of the images that are given to us about hell. Um, you know, one of the best explanations I've ever heard of this is that if there really are certain things that are intended to be taken metaphorically, not literally, it is because the reality behind those things is not less than the than the the literal you know image, but that they are much greater, hmm. and that there there's just no way that. That we can communicate it in in actual terms, so you have to pick an image that uh, that gives you at least some physical representation of a reality. So, like burning in fire would be the best we could possibly think. Of right? Yes. Yeah. So you don't think, oh, well, good. Uh, maybe that's burning in fire is not literal, so it must not be that bad. No, whatever burning in, if if we get there and realize that that was some kind of metaphorical, whatever it pointed to was just was much worse, and there was just no way in in this existence for God to describe everything to us, and so that's the image that. Um, that 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 he chose. Um, in the end, we gotta we have to conclude like the writer of Hebrews does, and this is a it's a heavy thing. Hebrews ten, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God and to have lived a life of resistance and rebellion to Him, and then go into the place that you asked to go into, which is which is hell itself. Um, you know, I'll say that hell was probably one of the most difficult concepts for me personally in my own um, development of faith. Uh, you know, when, when I was right out of college, it was probably the thing that came closest to derailing me because I'm like, how, how can I believe in a loving God? How can I, how can I get through the day and just, you know, think about this as a reality? Uh, there are a number of things that, you know, God really brought me to through the study of the scriptures. You know, 
the biggest one probably is that hell is what hell is because God is who God is. Explain that. that. Like, well, well, the righteousness and holiness of God, mm-hmm. um, it demands that there be a punishment that is equal to the crime. Sometimes people say, well, you know, we only sin for 70 or 80 years. What's in eternity in hell? You know, how is that equivalent? But um, sin becomes more sinful based on who the sin is directed toward. You know, if you if you kick a wall and you know bust the wall open or you know knock a hole in it, then that's a bad thing. You're gonna have to pay for it. If you do that to a dog, that's worse. If you do that to the person standing next to you in the grocery store line, then yeah, that's a lot bigger mm-hmm. of an offense. And then if you go up to the Queen of England and you roundhouse kick her in the face, that's gonna be even you know worse because because the glory and honor of the person you're doing it to or the the mm-hmm. value of it makes it worse. And so you know, hell is what hell is because we send against an infinite God. The only proper response to that is an infinite punishment. Mm-hmm. And so God tells us about hell um, because it helps us see the magnitude of the God that we... It, that's what it really did to me, is it helped me see um, just how glorious and amazing and how much bigger than than anything else on earth as God was and how serious my sin was a, against Him. So it's not just the evilness and the horrific side of hell, but the, the opposite of the greatness of God and how big and powerful right. and, and, and supremely... Um, there is none like him. That's right, right. It, it, it's, it's supposed to move you to worship. As a believer, we know about hell because it moves us to worship because it allows us to see the size of the God that we are, are worshiping and that our sin was directed against. In the same way, by the way, on the other side, it shows us how great God's love was when he came and rescued us. I mean, when I see what hell is, it helps me understand more of what Jesus was actually going through and the price he was willing to pay for my my sin. Jonathan Edwards had that you know kind of famous thing talking about the Garden of Gethsemane of because in Garden of Gethsemane it's as if God lets Jesus see into hell and, and that he's about to absorb hell into himself. And he lets him see that before he goes to the cross so that we can see Jesus, Jonathan Edwards said, go voluntarily to the cross so that we would would know the price that he was willing to pay. It was to, like his separation started even before the crucifixion. Right, right. And, and and God was letting him see it so that we could see Jesus and see the price that he was willing to, to pay to do that. You know, I'll also say that for those of us that live fairly insulated lives here in the Western world, um, a lot of us don't have to deal with just the rage that comes from dealing with, um, I mean, we all deal with injustice, but I mean, think like like the genocide types of injustice where you've seen uh, your, you know, your Rwanda, family raped and killed and, and that sort of things. And, and by the way, I'm not trying to minimize anybody's because a lot of people listening, sure. I'm sure have, have dealt with horrendous things, but Miroslav Volf, who um, was a guy who survived the Croatian genocide, he said, you know, people feel like if you believe in hell, that that will make you a vengeful person. He said, no, he says, it's only believing in God's judgment that um, allows you to drop the sword out of your own hand. He said, because when I had seen my family go through those things, the only thing that kept me from going insane with rage and just hatred toward the people that had done that is the belief that God would one day get justice. And because God would get justice, that means that I didn't really have to. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's when you begin to realize the sinfulness of sin that you see the glory of God, you see the reality, how, you know, how devastating sin is. Um, the other thing I'll point out here just is, is that, you know, um, Jesus talked about hell more than anybody. Bertrand Russell said that hell was the one great defect. Bertrand Russell wrote that famous book, Why I'm Not a Christian, hmm. um, atheist of, you know, a century or so ago. And he, he just said, he said, I, I could actually get along with Jesus if it hadn't been that he believed so obviously in the judgment of God. And so you don't, you don't, you don't think that, oh, well, that's just something that they used to believe in religion, and now that you know we've progressed on to Jesus, that it's Jesus talked about it, and he showed it to us because he wanted, wanted us to understand both the sinfulness of our sin and the love of God in saving us. 
Um, last thing I'll say here that it, it been helpful for me in one sense, um, this sort of got two sides of it. In one sense, God doesn't send us to hell. We send ourselves. Um, and by that, I mean what I said earlier about C.S. Lewis is that hell is just the fruition. It's the final darkness. It's the final fire. It is the final, um, final silence and absence of God from us saying to God, I don't want you to be in control. I don't want you be, to be the center. I don't want you to be the Lord. And God says, okay, as you wish. And then with him goes all of his blessings and benefits with him. In that sense, some have said hell is a door locked from the inside and that the people who are in hell wouldn't want to be in heaven because in heaven is where God rules and where God gets the glory and God is at the center. And that's what they hated on earth and resisted. So when they go to hell, it's not like they're going to have a change of heart. They're just going to, I mean, you know, C.S. Lewis tells that parable, the great divorce about people that go from hell to heaven. And then they, they want to go back to hell because as, as terrible as hell is, Heaven, where God is everything and God's the center, is even worse for them. So, in one sense, we don't send, uh, God doesn't send us to hell, we send ourselves. But in the other sense, I think we do have to acknowledge mm-hmm. that yes, hell is the rightful expression of God's wrath. And um, theologians call, talk about the passive wrath of God and the active wrath. The passive wrath is where God just allows us to experience the want. fruit of our choices, yep. right? And in another sense, active wrath is where God adds the lightning bolt of his anger to the fruit of our choices. And hell is both God's passive wrath, God letting us in where we had chosen to go, and his active wrath because it is a just a just punishment for a crime against the one glorious sovereign God of the universe. Todd, when we talk about this, I just you know I just come back to just the amazement that there's a God who loved us enough that he would go through hell for us to redeem us. Yeah. And whenever you hear about hell, Whenever you hear about it from the Bible, there is hope in it because as long as you're hearing about it, um, you know you, there's an opportunity to repent of your sin and trust in Jesus as your Savior. Um, you know, the, if uh, I heard a pastor say one time, if you if you w- when you walk off the earth and step into hell, the last voice that you'll hear saying you don't have to do that is the voice of the Lord Jesus saying, I made a way, I gave my life so that you wouldn't have to be separated eternally. And so, I mean, even if you're listening to this podcast right now, and there's just questions about being sure about this. I mean, there's right now, wherever you are, you could um, you could receive Jesus's offer to forgive your sins and, and to, uh, to bring resurrection life into you and to restore you to God, and you could never have to fear hell again. Yep, there you have it, is whether you are searching if, if hell is literal or figurative, um, the most important thing is that God made a way in his great love so that none of us would perish but have everlasting life. This week on Ask Me Anything, part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network, um, we are part of a great network of, of other podcasts um, like the Making Disciples podcast. Um, this podcast is fantastic. I hope you've listened to it. This one is co-hosted by Robbie, Robbie Gallaty and Chris Swain. And um, they've recently talked about how to develop a discipleship pathway in your church, discipling your family, and how you can sustain discipleship for the long term, not just making converts, but making real disciples who make disciples. So just look up words, making disciples on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. Part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. This is Ask Me Anything with J.D. Greer. I'm your host, Todd Unzicker, and we'll see you next time on the podcast. 